Great, greetings everyone, and welcome to another uh, CLTV or Connected Learning TV Hangout on Air. Today is July 27th, 2017. Um, amazingly, it's the end of July already. Um, and I'm Christina Cantrell. I'm um, the Associate Director of National Programs at the National Writing Project, and thrilled tonight to have a chance to talk with Kira Baker-Doyle and Hadley Ferguson. Um, so today's conversation is the third in a three-part series. Um, we've been um, doing a series with Kira Baker-Doyle around her new book, uh, uh, Transformative Teachers, Teacher Leadership and Learning in a Connected World. Here's my dog-eared and book copy of this book. Um, and uh, uh, we are really excited tonight to uh, continue to talk to Kira about this work. Um, and we're joined by Hadley Ferguson, who's the executive director of the EdCamp Foundation. Um, EdCamp's a partner here at Educator Innovator, so we're thrilled to have Hadley on. Um, we realize this is one of her first webinars actually on CLTV, so welcome, Hadley. We're really excited to have you. And um, thank you all for joining us today who are tuning in. Um, and we wanna make a special thanks to all our guests for making time to be here tonight. If you're watching this Hangout, um, you're welcome to uh, tweet questions or comments and share resources using the hashtag connected learning. Um, we're also gonna watch the hashtag teachers transform, which is the, the hashtag that Kira's been using um, for her book. And if you have uh, questions specifically about the book or concepts about the book, feel free to use that hashtag teachers transform. Okay, so why don't we get started with a round of introductions. Um, it, maybe the two of you could just sort of give your name, um, you know, where, where more about your work and a little bit about um, what brings you to this specific conversation today. Uh, Kira, you're to my left, so maybe, do you wanna go first? Okay, sure. Hi, everybody. Um, my name is Kira Baker-Doyle. I'm an associate professor of education at Arcadia University. I'm the author of uh, Transformative Teachers. Um, and um, I, uh, I've, uh, what's, what background do I bring here? Um, uh, before uh, I got into uh, being a professor, I taught in Philadelphia, uh, deep roots in the city. And you'll see, if you read the book, you'll really see those deep roots kind of emerge because of a lot of the folks that uh, the stories come through are, are from Philadelphia. And I wanna kind of give out a special shout out um, to the uh, Teacher Action Group and Caucus of Working Educators in Philadelphia. They're running a book series this summer, um, uh, book groups, different, uh, lots of different gatherings of teachers um, in the area um, coming together, reading and sharing uh, books. And there's one uh, group that's devoted to reading and discussing uh, uh, transformative teachers, and they may be following along tonight. So I wanted to just welcome them if they are following along. And, um, and if you're not in the group, but you'd like to join the group, we uh, are meeting uh, this coming Monday and then uh, August and then the following week after that at the uh, Unitarian Church in in Germantown um, So I guess you can tweet me if you're interested in joining that um, and I'm at KJBD on Twitter That's it for me Great, thank you Kara and welcome book group members if you're listening in Hadley go for it um, I am Hadley Ferguson, and I am the executive director of the EdCamp Foundation. 
for those of you who aren't familiar with EdCamps, they began in Philadelphia in 2010, and it's participant-driven professional development. So teachers get together, usually on a Saturday, and decide what they want to talk about rather than going into an auditorium and being talked at. It's about conversations and collaboration. And since 2010, there have been over 1,600 ed camps around the world. We're in 32 countries. Um, the, one of the latest countries was in Pakistan, in, in Islamabad, Pakistan, which, which is really pretty exciting. Um, all 50, they've been in all 50 states. And I was one of the original founders of EdCamp Philly, which was the first one. And at that point, I was doing what the rest of my career has been, which was to be a middle school history teacher. So I uh, left the classroom to do this work and am excited to be working with teachers as they build their practice. Great, thank you, Hadley. Yes, really excited about this. Um, so let me just take a moment and sort of go back. We've done, as I said, this is the third part of a three-part series. And um, the series is organized around the sections of uh, Kira's book. So in the first session, um, we, um, and you'll see the Philadelphia theme continue here. We did a, um, a broadcast that and a conversation that was really about what is a transformative teacher. So in that um, broadcast, you'll see Sam Reed, who is a Philadelphia teacher at the U School, and Kira um, uh, really in a dialogue, both about their relationship as well as like the core idea of relationships in being a um, in and among transformative teaching and trans and and uh, among transformative teachers um, this idea of storytelling also comes up is like a core piece of of this work and then um, and then the conversation moves into sort of like this focus on collective action and collective power and the collective power that the teachers have together and coming together as leaders and designers um, and much like Hadley said, you know, really taking, being agents in their own professional work and practice. Um, and then I would say with, in that story, you hear much about working alongside both um, each other's colleagues, as well as working alongside students and communities. So very powerful um, conversation that we started with. That moved us really fluidly into the second conversation that we had um, around designing, organizing, and leading in a connected world. Um, that brought together a group of teachers, teacher educators, as well as researchers. And um, we talked through sort of the inventive practices that Kira's noticed um, transformative teachers um, utilizing to support their work, including making, hacking, and connecting. And that conversation really got us into sort of why are we doing these things? And I feel like that why um, started to get unpacked really well in that conversation and in really interesting ways that, you know, could we could continue to talk about for a long time. So I hope, you know, the book discussion group and everything starts to continue that conversation. And I feel like it really nicely brings us here to the third series, which is really about this, you know, supporting transformative teachers and supporting educational change. Um, and, um, and so that's what we're here to talk about today, I think, in very broad strokes. I care, I'd love you to unpack that a little bit. Um, but I, um, 
I wanted to just note that in your in this chapter, you really have a header that's changed for what. So it's really this like focus on social justice and equity in the middle of this focus on change and transformative teaching. So I hope that sort of brings us up to where we are today. And Kira, I'd love for you to sort of talk to us about this sort of the way that you've been thinking about um, uh, this work and change forward in this work and where you'd, you'd like this discussion to go tonight. Sure, thanks, Christina. Um, so, and thank you for kind of bringing us along this journey, um, reminding us kind of where we came from, you know, that first starting with really thinking about the, um, from an individual perspective, characteristics, and then moving into collective work, ways that teachers work collectively. Um, and then this third, this third session is really thinking about the big, big picture. So that question of, so what is the change that is happening as a result of this kind of work? Um, why is it important? How is it, how is it uh, making a difference? And then how can um, organizations and institutions that want to support transformative teachers also take part in, support, in doing that? How can they be, what roles can they take in, in supporting them? Um, and that goes from um, education advocacy groups to um, schools of education. Um, and so those are some of the questions that um, I, I think that I'm hoping that we unpack a little bit tonight. Um, and I know that we'll get a lot of really great insights from talking with both um, Hadley and with you because you, uh, this book also explores a lot of the work that um, the Connected Learning Alliance and National Writing Project has done in supporting transformative teachers as well as um, EdCamp and EdCamp Camp Foundation. Um, so, so those are some of the things that uh, we'd like to kind of explore, I think, tonight um, in this work. Um, and, uh, and, I, and I think also um, to keep in mind um, something that you mentioned um, in, in that overview and that I think is um, it, maybe that we can kind of carry along as a thread. Um, that came up in our first uh, book group meeting as I met with some folks who've been reading the book is this idea of um, how can, if, if teachers would like to uh, bring um, agency into their classroom and help their students get, um, be agents of learning, then they also have to be agents as well, agents of their own learning. That you cannot expect your students to be agents of their learning without um, engaging that in, in essence yourself. It's the same way that in National Writing Project, you can't teach writing unless you are a writer, right? Um, and so I think that this book is really talking about how can teachers um, be agents of their learning, of their profession, and model agency and connect through that, that same work. So let's just kind of hold that as, as we're talking um, about this this last piece. Um, and I'll let Hadley kind of introduce a little bit about EdCamp. Uh, I know she did already a, a general introduction, but maybe how does that tie into some of the big picture um, that we're, we're talking about today? Well, I think that it's just really interesting that um, this whole idea of agency, that there really is the push for having students be agents in their own learning, and yet, almost all of the teachers who were in the classroom right now never experienced that in their own you know pre-k 12 let alone in their college experiences that most of them sat in rooms where the teacher was the authority even if there was some group work or this sort of thing it was really very much teacher driven or professor driven and that what happens we know from the studies that when a teacher goes into a classroom 
if the minute it gets stressful or they're uncomfortable, they revert back to the way they were trained. They might know that there are better ways to do it, but when they get stressed, when testing is coming up, when all these things are about to happen, they go back to their roots rather than, even if you know they 100% in their head know that they want to be giving the students more agency, they revert. And so part of what I think we're all aiming for is how do we take teachers and give them experiences that will move them really move the needle so that they have those times when they have agency on their own learning. And what happens at an ed camp is that you have teachers who are giving up a Saturday voluntarily going to talk to other teachers. And that very step of registering and coming to an ed camp is what, for me, the, the beginning of their growth process. Because at that point, they're saying, I need to be in charge of my learning. I, I, I have to stop waiting for someone outside to do it and I need to become active in this process. And that through the conversations that they experience at an ed camp that are generated from their own questions and their own passions, they begin to see, oh, wait a minute, this is what it feels like in my gut, this is what it feels like. And I think that once they've experienced that, then, they, then they're actually on the next path. So that what we find is that people who attend ed camps are much more active on social media in interacting with other teachers and building networks and growing their own learning. And so it, I think that that whole aspect of providing teachers with, with the means to, to, to gain agency over their learning is really the first step in this whole process. And then from there, they, you know, the, the sky's the limit almost. You, you've shaken them out of the passive, professional development is, is what gets done to me, to professional development is what I do. Um, which I think is, is, I think that there's all kinds of things that can go on after an ed camp, but I, I, I think that it, for many people, the ed camp is the first time where they go, oh wait, I can be in charge of this. I don't have to wait. I can I can take a, authority over my own learning. Um, I love the way Hadley you framed that first step of even like signing up for an ed camp as like a really significant move, and I I I, I think that's really powerful and something that um uh uh in um, teaching in the connected learning classroom, a couple of people talk about small moves as like really having these incredibly opening um, effects, but sometimes it says really small moves and then starting to sort of acknowledge and support each other and celebrate each other for those small moves that we're making because they really could, they can have significant impact. So, so I really appreciate that as, as, as like a note about one beginning step. Um, it's interesting because we oftentimes in the classroom look for those small things to affirm in students and forget to turn around and do it for ourselves and give ourselves credit for the fact that it doesn't have to be life-changing. It can just be those, you know, sort of practice for ourselves what we practice for our students. Yeah, yeah, that's really powerful. Thank you for that. Um, Kira, I, I was thinking that the, um, you know, we've been talking about the ways that, um, I mean, we could keep going in this direction, sort of like, what what do we, 
see as some of the like as a teacher educator you know what are some of the moves that you see two teachers making or what did you see in your your book um in this direction that um and that that reflexivity between you know what what we want to see in our students and what what we want to do for ourselves as professionals yeah i mean i think i can i think i can start small and then go big a little bit here so um i, I one thing i want to say is that um with I, i've talked to many many teachers who are who uh, some of whom kind of identify as like this transformative teacher, very kind of networked, engaged, and 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 really uh, committed to um, to educational change from where they are, and and some folks who are you know not, you know exploring those ideas, not there yet. And I would say the the um, across that range, oftentimes those folks that I find who are really deeply embedded and deeply engaged, when you ask them how they got there, they'll say something like, "Well, I, I didn't." I didn't plan to get here. It just, it was those little relationships that I started to build. It was those little small moves. There's those little commitments that I made and it just brought me here. Um, and, and so I think that there is something um, uh, really interesting and important to, to recognize that there's oftentimes never this big, huge plan of I'm going to change the world. It's I, I'm going to do something that's going to help me as a learner and it brings folks. So that's on a kind of individual path, but I'm going to say, from a broader perspective, um, and looking at the impact that this kind of shift, this mind shift, kind of mindset shift has had, um, is that you're seeing now um, a real change in uh, discourse about teacher leadership, and um, about what we expect, um, how we uh, how we understand teachers to kind of interact in the professional world. Um, and you see that in even the ways that uh, teachers are talked about um, even in the Department of Education or uh, uh, in some ways, when you hear folks talking about leadership, it's talked about differently. We're also seeing a shift in kind of um, curriculum and understandings of curriculum. So when you hear people talking about, I'm getting a grant to have a makerspace in my classroom, or I'm doing genius hour in my classroom, or you know, these kinds of newer innovative ideas, these are all um, ideas that were really, that they that have been teacher driven have come from um, teacher led efforts and sharing that has happened often outside of school on either through kind of web spaces internet spaces or even face-to-face -face meetings and it cultivates and 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 um, and grows there and then kind of floods back into school spaces so you see like change curricular change and then you're also seeing um ways in which uh even schools are changing you hear about movements like um green schools or teacher-led schools um and i'm not even going to speak about edcamp because edcamp in itself it's its own movement i'm going to let hadley talk about about the the impact that that Ed, edcamp have had but i just want us to kind of think about from those very how, how there's this connections from these very small moves and commitments to our own kind of agency over our learning to becoming networked into some of these larger interest groups and these and these movements and how much of an impact they're having on discourse about teacher leadership professionalism curriculum school organization um, and and education on the whole um, so I'm gonna pause here because I want to let um, Hadley kind of jump in and talk a little bit about where she's seen like impacts from of EdCamp and, and, and transformation there. 
Well, I think that what's really interesting, Kira, is that the that first step that we were talking about, about registering and showing up, a lot of times these are the sort of lone rangers in their school who want to bring about change but feel isolated. And that one of the things that the digital age has brought about is that many of those teachers are connecting digitally. But what we found at EdCamp is that there's an incredible power to the face-to-face -face as well. And that when you connect digitally and then you meet face-to-face, -face, when you go back into the digital space, it's a completely other experience. And so the relationships that you can develop in, you know, through Twitter chats or through Facebook groups are, are legitimate and real and can bring about real growth. But, but it, uh, what we see is that people are really social creatures and that it's wonderful to interact digitally. But when you get to see someone face to face and go, oh, my, I'm, my favorite story is meeting somebody that I had known on Twitter for a while and I met them face to face and she was like, you're so much taller than I thought. And I'm like, how did my face on a Twitter give you a sense of how tall I am? But yes, I guess I am taller than you thought I was. Um, but that there's real power to the kind of engagement that happens when you're in the same space. And, but that then, what I think is so exciting is that when you go back into the digital space, which is where a lot of these connections are happening, that that is just that much more powerful. And that the relationships that are built there take the person who might feel isolated, and many teachers feel isolated in, in their classrooms anyway. You go in and close the door and it's you and those kids. Um, that when you begin to build relationships that reach beyond that classroom and impact that classroom because you learn new things and bring it back into the classroom, that that network um, really helps teachers to grow their practice and to begin to see themselves, see a path towards leadership that I, I think is new. I think that it used to be you, you were a teacher and the only way to change that in terms of leadership was to go into administration. And I think that some of these teacher networks are beginning to, to model the fact that you can be very cutting edge and stay in your classroom and stay working with kids um, and be a real teacher leader rather than having to become an administrator. And for me personally, I think that that's really exciting because we want, we want the best and the brightest with the kids. We don't want them you know, two or three steps removed, or at least that's my prejudice. I want them with the kids. And, um, and I think that really passionate teachers, that's what, that's what we want is them to be supported in, in their own growth to stay with the kids. Yeah, and I, I want to add to that. I, I think, um, you know, I um, got in, in, in all my visits to EdCamp, there's usually a session that I, I go to at an EdCamp where there's, um, where there's a teacher who's presenting about something that they've published, like a book or something that they're working on or a collective of teachers who are doing that. And it was, it's been really fascinating to see this plethora of new books that are coming out um, written by teachers about new kinds of practices or new different ways of thinking about teaching, um, their own kind of pedagogies arising, um, and you know, and it wouldn't happen unless they had that community to help them think through and 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 really uh, develop that confidence. And so you know, and I think you know uh, the other thing is I, that that's been happening for a long time with a writing project. I know that the writing project has a number of um, authors, uh, um, teacher authors, um, and so it's kind of you know writing projects has this tra tra tradition, and it's really interesting how it's 
how you're seeing that now with EdCamp and you're seeing that now with other places. When you open up those spaces for teachers to connect, they also develop a sense of expert, they see their own expertise and authority are able to kind of share that out. I, I was going to pick on that, pick up on that too, um, because this idea of teachers as leaders, teachers are leaders, actually is like a really powerful way to frame what we do as teachers, right? And I think the first step in that is really um, acknowledging this sort of role that being a teacher is an act of leadership itself. So being able to really take that on, I think sort of has implications for it, right? So um, at the writing project and around the teaching of writing, part of how we do that is is similar that you write in order to and become a writer and a teacher writer, and then sort of start to take leadership around the teaching of writing and uh, supporting kids in writing. And and we and then there's also this shift and Kira, you talk about this too and i think like in your book you talk about connecting as leading <laughs> you know like actually like that role of connecting is a leadership move and so and and at the writing project we've traditionally talked about like it's like an invitation that as teachers we invite other teachers to work alongside us to um do inquiry with us to think with us about our work right and so it's like that that connecting piece is a is a leadership uh role it's a leadership act itself to 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 and um and I think I even mentioned Chad Sansing before, but Chad always talked about it like as uh, spaces of creating spaces of permission for others, you know, so we're like creating spaces of permission for ourselves as well as the others around us. And I do see that in the ed camp work that it's really that sort of like, um, you know, you're making small moves in your practice and then and then but you're doing that together. And again, it goes back to that collective power um we brought up before so yeah the um and and i also uh, you know prejudice of you know staying there with the kids i think that's you know <laughs> how we feel the leaders that we need today <laughs> already <laughs> well and i think that creating that space where teachers can ask the questions that they have i mean all the research shows that what teachers want to learn from other teachers they don't want somebody who's helicoptered in and gives a brilliant speech and then helicopters out again they want people who have boots on the ground like them and i think that that then creates on us in in small ways um, that those initial steps towards leadership because if you're sitting in a conversation with other teachers and someone asks a question you and you can actually share your own expertise that doesn't look big and flashy but it's just I've actually tried this and this you know I tried it this way that didn't work but I tried it this way and it did work um, you begin to see yourself in a different light as having um, some of those leadership skills that you might not have felt before you got together and started sharing those conversations. And so I think that that what an ed camp does is create space for people to have those have those conversations to be to feel safe in, you know, with other educators to share what they're excited about, but also to just share I, I'm hitting my hitting my head against a wall over and over again with this can, you know, does anybody have any thoughts and that I think is empowering for the teacher asking the question in the same way that connecting is 
is empowering. Um, but I think that the the just being able to be together and try and solve these problems is is really significant in terms of of moving all the the teachers towards more leadership. Kira, I wanted to ask you. So I, I thought it was really interesting to talk about teacher leadership um, curriculum and curriculum changes as well as schools themselves. And 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 just one of the things that I noticed in that conversation was this thing about maker spaces. So I I I think that there's, I mean, coming from a space where um, we think about writing as making, and so that the being productive together, creating stuff together, actually has been a, a key part of how we've worked as a network. Um, and then to think about maker spaces as actually a place where teachers have really brought that into schools and helped to transform schools that way, I think is really powerful. I'm wondering, do you mind talking about that a little bit more? Could we, um, and sure. Hadley, you, I, I'm sure there's lots of that work happening in your network too. Yeah, I know that a lot of, I will say, I know a lot of EdCamp folks are, this. there's a lot of overlap between um, a lot of the kind of teacher-led movements and, 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 and pedagogies and, and, and ways of, of teaching. And so certainly um, there's a lot of folks in, in Ed Camper who are involved in that, in, in the makerspace uh, movement efforts. Um, and I would say that uh, what's, I think there's two things that are interesting to me about uh, makerspaces. I think one is that it's not just the space. Right, there's a mindset and an and a kind of ideology um, around makerspace, which kind of um, celebrates the process of uh, making and production. And instead of looking so much on the one right answer or the like the final product, it's more of the the process of 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 exploration and learning and making and um, and learning a lot from those design principles and, and ideas. And so a, a big piece of the kind of the, the maker movement and maker space is really embracing some of those ideas, um, those ideas of inquiry. And you know, there they, there's a like I said, there's so much overlap from a lot of these different movements um, that kind of fit together in interesting ways. But I think that's one thing that's that's interesting. Um, and then the other piece of it is the ways in which um, maker spaces um, kind of give permission for uh, a more progressive kind of um, approaches to education. Um, it, it, in some ways, that the, the, the work of being in a maker space and creating a maker space is a kind of progressive ideal, right? Like this is this idea is not all that new, right? It's John Dewey's kind of, you know, dream is that we learn by doing all that 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 kind of jazz. I mean, there are some some new things, especially with the new technologies and the 3D printers and 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 you know, in integrating all these kinds of pieces. But you know, it, it does harken back to um, the the good, old, the good old Dewey days, right? And and also um, on constructivism, those kinds of things. But um, I will say that uh, what's interesting, and it comes back to, is is the permission that 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 folks have gotten through through even using the term makerspace, um, that there's some kind of um, a unity around that term and around the idea that has come from many, many people coming together and using that term together, that has come from industry supporting that, 
Um, and that has, I mean, even the, um, Obama came out and said, like, makerism is the next new, you know, um, industrial revolution. There's a lot of support behind that idea. And that's a critical piece. You come back to that idea of permission um, and giving teachers permission to, um, to experiment and try out and do new things. It's legitimizing, it's giving permission to do that kind of inquiry work that, that we know is really powerful for learning. Um, and, and I will say, right before I did this book, I had just completed an ethnography of teachers working collaboratively together. And what I learned from that ethnography, at the core heart of it, was how important permission was. And I thought it was interesting at first. I thought it was odd that, that this idea of permission kept coming up over and over again. Because in our minds, when we think of permission, we think of somebody not you know, in power, you know, and, and somebody being subordinate. But the idea of permission got flipped on its head through this work. And permission became um, really looking for options, problem solving, finding new, finding ways outside of your, your traditional system to like do new and interesting things. So that, um, I think that the, that the idea of makerspaces ties in very much to the idea of finding permission, um, finding new ways of, of bringing, of, of giving teachers that, that, le that leadership, that, op that agency to make change in their classrooms. And I think another part that goes with that is that uh, part of the inquiry process is the sort of testing and failing and testing again and making it better. And that makerspace does that in a safe way. You're trying to you know, create something with LED lights or whatever, but it puts in place an, an investigation um, that allows for, it didn't work this time. Okay, well now I gotta get back there and try again. And I think that for many teachers, that sort of sense that there's a right way and a wrong way, that the makerspace ideas is, oh, no, wait a minute, I'm not going to get to the right way until I've tried it multiple other times. And that that's, that, that that's the, it's sort of that emotional experience of continuing to try the whole grit idea of just, I don't give up, but in something that's not high stakes, but allows for the experience of testing and learning and failing and testing and learning and growing. Um, and that's the part that I think is so exciting about Makerspace. And I think it's also part of why a lot of EdCamp people are Makerspace people as well, because part of what's happening at an EdCamp is coming and asking questions and learning and growing and trying to, trying to make progress forward. Yeah, and I would also, I would add to that, um, that the um, makerspaces and and makerism, um, it it creates um, this kind of it's a kind of a parallel. You've got um, you've got the inquiry that's happening um, in the classroom, and the, and the teachers can inquire along along with with that. Um, so I, I think that there's um, I think that that this is, it's a great example of like a core practice or uh, or pedagogy that has evolved alongside a lot of this teacher leadership um, movements and networked networked teacher leadership movements that that we've seen coming up um, and so is a, a good example of that 
It's also really modeling though, that leadership isn't about authority at the front of the class. It's about doing an inquiry alongside your students rather than having to be, having to know the answer before you get started. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for making that connection. Cause I was starting to think like, okay, and Antero was reminding us at this time, like let's let's like surface the whys behind what we're doing too. And, and I think that that, part is so important Hadley in the sort of like um or or the the anyway I think it moves us into um you know potentially a space of thinking about you know we all are working with different organizations that work with teachers right so Ed Camp Foundation the National Writing Project um Kira's in teacher education and doing some networking around teacher educators and so if we know social justice and equity is a core value that we hold and we hold in a sort of connected learning frame and a participatory culture frame, in what ways are practices like this and um, helping us to build towards equity? And that feels like a really, one of the key ways that, that we start to um, remind ourselves about the knowledge and the space that that we all bring knowledge including the kids and 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 that feels like a key step and i was sort of thinking about like oh that's really feels important to make visible and to say out loud and you know to, to shine a spotlight on again you know well i was going to say there was an article of the new york times that came out last week about um, a number of universities that are now starting programs for young people to help them learn how to fail well, right? How to, um, how to fail and get back up again, or that to embrace failure and to learn that you can learn from failure because they have so many students who are coming in and really crashing and burning because um, since, I guess this is, the, this is now the, the, all the folks who are coming in uh, have lived through No Child Left Behind and, 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 and everything after that. High stakes testing, standardized testing, there is one right answer, you get the one right answer and you're fine, right? And then you come into college and things are different or you know, it comes into life and things are different. And so, so in some ways, um, this is also addressing some of the um, some of the real limitations that 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 students uh, that people are realizing that that are happening because of the real high stakes test environment that that has been that has been around for a very long time now, um, and 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 the repercussions of that. And I think that that's that's an issue as well. I mean, if you if you've got a lot of kids who are struggling to cope in educational spaces like college because because they haven't had an opportunity to uh, learn how learn how that you can learn from failure, and and that there are safe safe there are opportunities to learn from failure, um, and that and how to get back up again. Um, you know that, that that's an important piece of, of of it all too. I mean, it's uh, I mean, there's a lot of pieces to it, but that's one important piece. 
I wonder, Kira, if that's also combined with sort of some of the parenting advice of the last 20 or 25 years that, you know, sort of fragile self-identities of kids and that parents, you know, have to constantly be saying, that's the best finger painting ever. You are awesome. You're wonderful. And then you get into a high stakes testing, no child left behind, where there is only one right answer. And if there's just sort of a, a fragile, and I don't know, I, I, I just think that there's an interesting um, confluence between the, the, the two. Yeah, there's there's definitely a relationship between those those two those two pieces, um, and I think that we just need, especially for from the educator perspective, that we need to be really mindful of how we talk about or how we create op opportunities for young people to um, explore, be uh, and, and and learn in safe spaces, be able to learn from their learn from mistakes. And that mistakes are, are opportunities to um, to uh, give you opportunities to improve. Um, that it's not always the high stakes, and that you're going to lose if you don't get this one right. That's not life, right? Right. Well, and I think that another part of it is making teachers feel safe enough that right. they can model failure for their students. Right. That if something goes wrong, they don't have to be afraid of saying you know what, I thought this was going to be a great activity and it's not working out right now and I need to think on the fly, do you, you know, can you help me with this or whatever, but that there are ways that in teacher networking and connections, if we can help, if I think some of those connections can help teachers feel safe enough to begin to model some of that for their students. That's really interesting because it's a lot of what we talk about in connected learning is um, how key uh, teacher vulnerability is and how we and, and we talked about this idea of teacher courage and building teacher courage and mm. I think it all it all ties back in into that um, and in back into this the idea of small moves back into a lot of these different pieces um, and back into the, the play the parallel play between supporting student agency and supporting teacher agency yeah, I was going to pick up on that too. And I also wanted to bring um, some of the voices from the last webinar in where we were talking about the sociocultural context of being vulnerable, right? And so um, how that changes constantly. <laughs> and, you know, and that. Um, and that as networks, how we sort of navigate and support each other through those changes seems like a really important thing for us to think about, to talk about. Um, and recently there was a, a discussion on um, Educator Innovator that brought together um, Muslim teachers and students. And um, really to talk, uh, it was a it was a discussion that bridged sort of the ways that Muslim students and teachers were using digital media to talk about matters of interest and importance to them in their communities, as well as the surveillance of their communities and the um, implications for that, for the ways that they they use digital media and the ways that they networked with each other. And so it really got me thinking about sort of the constantly changing and the different perspectives on that. And I, I, I feel like it's a conversation that, um, uh, that, that 
you know, it's a, it's an important conversation that we have as teacher educators and teacher networks, how sort of how those contexts and what context we're working in at any given time and any of our students and colleagues might be. I, I would add, um, Christina, um, that one of the key, this, this goes into the, the, the work, some of the work that I did in looking at how organizations and larger networks support teachers and support teacher leadership, support network, teacher networks. And one of the threads that I saw among all of the different groups that I kind of spent time talking with is a real um, intentional um, approach to talking about, talking explicitly and, pay, and, and, and spending time on um, talking about diversity, inclusion, um, a transparency in the kind of stance that an organization was taking and, and doing work around that. That, that it's not sidelined, but it's, it's almost like a central piece of the, um, of, the, of the building of the group, the identity and the work of the group. And it's a, a very um, conscious, constant reflection and not just reflection, but also uh, an active work. Um, and, and I think that um, that's a key piece of work that organizations that are working with transformative teachers need to kind of be thinking about and taking on. Um, I was particularly um, uh, struck by the work at, at the time when I was um, interviewing uh, Hadley, talking with Hadley, she was developing some, um, some work per, just focusing on um, urban uh, urban ed camps and also trying to bring in more conversation around um, um, building some leadership, some diverse leadership in the group. Um, and I kind of let her, I'll let her talk a little bit about that. But I would say also in some of the other organizations I worked on, that is like a constant and a, a really key piece of, of, of driving the feel, the, the, the heart of, of the work. Well, one, one of the, the early things that we've done, uh, or not early, but recent things that we've done is, is adopted as a foundation a very strong anti-discrimination policy for the movement and um, for all of the ed camps that we support, um, requiring them to put that on their website to just make it sure, clear from the beginning how serious we think that this is. Um, and we are, um, at the foundation, we've re realized that the teachers who can take time on a Saturday to go and either organize an ed camp or attend an ed camp are oftentimes not the, the teachers in the under-resourced schools. If you've got 45 kids in your class and no resources, getting out, you know, having, taking the, have the time and energy to go to an ed camp isn't happening all that much. We have urban teachers, about a quarter of the teachers um, who attend an ed camp are from urban schools. But we have set up um, an urban initiative where we are trying to connect with urban districts to bring our model in as part of their professional development because we want to, you know, we'd like to bring about system, systematic change across the, you know, 15,000 districts, um, but especially the ones that are, you know, have a, uh, have these lack of resources and teachers that are so stressed. Um, we know that in the digital sphere, a lot of you know a lot of teachers have heard of EdCamp. They're excited about it, but once you get outside that, once you get to the teachers who don't have the time to be on Twitter and following social media um, because they're just trying to keep them their classes up and running, 
um, we're trying to figure out ways to connect with those teachers and allow them the experience, you know, provide them with the experience of having a voice, of being treated like professionals, of sharing and collaborating together. So we're, we're working on a, yeah, a couple of different strategies to make that happen. Yeah. That's great. I'm really excited to hear about that work. Um, go ahead, Karen. I was going to say, I also worked with um, Philadelphia Education Fund. They um, did this really fabulous project where they reached out to existing teacher-led networks in Philadelphia, of which there were at least 20. I mean, there's a lot of uh, uh, teacher leadership happening in Philadelphia and all over the country. Um, if you just look, you will see. <laughs> um, but they they really intentionally um, reached out to the to these groups and had to think very hard about the stance that they would take as kind of a broker between um, the teacher leaders in these groups and maybe some institutions or some some um, other groups that these teacher leaders had less access to, and how that they would how would they kind of um, work as as brokers as as folks who are helping to build relationships um, they would uh, set up opportunities for teacher leaders in these networks to meet with folks in the district or meet with folks who are offering grant opportunities and things like that they would really um, think about how can that their in their group their institution um, both let teachers take the lead in the work, but then also what is the resource that their that their education advocacy organization can offer to teacher leaders without kind of taking over and, and, and directing. And that took a lot of thinking and work around their own positionality, how that how how to be transparent in what their kind of role and purpose was, and in thinking also about um, diversity, inclusion, and those kinds of things. And so that's something that um, for any educational advocacy organization, thinking thinking about those things are critical. Um, and it's also, I would say, as a teacher educator, really critical for um, schools of education to be thinking. If a school of education is just thinking about making partnerships with other schools just for student teaching, then they're really doing a disservice, I think. Um, I think that what schools of education, and my vision is that schools of education should be doing work which is helping to, um, teachers, uh, pre-service teachers become involved in and learn about teacher-led networks that exist and how to be, and how to start that early on in their career so they can take control, take agency over their learning from the very get-go and, and have that network of support very early on and I think that needs to start from schools of education and, and they need to be the brokers there. So those are my two pieces I can add and I'll let you, Christine, I bet you can talk a bit about um, uh, National Writing Project or Philly Writing Project. Uh, Hadley, I can, do you wanna say something? I saw you unmute. Um, no, you go ahead and I'll, I'll, I'll follow up. Okay, so yes, totally, that's awesome. <laughs> and. Um, and from a, a network perspective, too, if I could, um, I mean, I, you know, I, I work primarily with the national network these days, um, but I can see this in Philadelphia, too, that um, 
there's there's there really are these like amazing ecosystems um, that that start to form, and sometimes I I try to figure out how can we also support the ecosystems in in connecting and not to take over each other's work either, but to to best utilize all of our resources, right? So like in a in a resource tight environment, um, we wanna be really careful to not be fighting against each other, but actually being able to work in in, in sync with each other. And and so um, it's really important to have um, groups like the Ed Fund and uh, teacher education programs really supporting teachers in seeing these networks. I mean, I think that's like so, so important. I love that vision and I, I think that's really important. And we have to think as networks about how to best leverage the power that we have and to um, connect those, those powerful nodes. So I'm, you know, what's exciting about this book to me is both um, the, the, the the national perspective that you bring, Kira, but then also there's this this power in that local focus and how you're you're that that starting to connect some of these pieces can help with some of the language across like some of the language we use across our networks and and start to talk to each other potentially in 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 better ways. Yeah, I I I hope I think that sometimes um, very very particular stories. Are sim in some ways symbolic of, of things that are happening, patterns of, of things that are happening at a larger level. And I would also say that um, from the local level, looking at Philadelphia networks, that many, many teachers, when you talk about this ecosystem, many teachers are in multiple networks. So there's this really interesting web of connection among these different networks um, because there are teachers who, you know, you once you get um, involved in one, you're like, oh, where's another one that I could get involved, you know, because you get kind of drawn in. And I see like Hadley nodding your head because you can jump in if you want. But, um, but there is, it, there's a real, um, really um, vital ecosystem of teacher-led networks uh, in local cities and, ac and across the country and internationally that perhaps are a little bit under, uh, you know, not paid attention to quite as quite as much as we should be paying attention to. And I think that I'm kind of trying to argue in this book is that teachers are doing a lot more than you realize they're doing, right? That that some of the new, a lot of the new pedagogies and curriculum and, and ideas and, and, and reshaping that is entering schools is happening because of these networks that are maybe happening outside of school spaces and that teachers are bringing in and innovating. And then a lot of times, companies will come in and kind of slap their name on it and say that it's their idea, but it's coming from the teachers. I mean, I've gone to ed camps. I've seen the, the, like, the, the, the curriculum company people there trying to like, you know, get their, great, their next great idea because they know it comes from teachers. Yeah, I, I, I have this image that I, I, I would love to figure out a way to map all of the people in all of those networks so that we could see all of the overlap because I know that it's true that, you know, EdCamp people are in so many networks and it would be fascinating to be able to bring that to light so that people could see the depth of some of the networks that I don't think they even realize that, yes, they're doing this and they're doing that and they're doing this other thing, but there's actually a whole, a whole lot of support and 
um, richness that's already been created but just hasn't been made visible yet. I just haven't figured out how to make that happen. <laughs> I think you've just identified my next study, Hadley. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will fully support that, Kara. <laughs> and one of the things that I think in that process and that, and that work, I think, is then seeing who's not there. And we've all been talking about that too, right? And so, and, you know, what are those sort of social justice and equity and inclusion, inclusionary practices that we want to foster across our networks and help each other do even stronger so that we can reach out further and sort of develop that, that, that reach? Um, because, we know that the power, uh, the power here is is tremendous, and it's exponential too. So, you know, how do we um, how do we really work on that? I think is an important conversation across networks, and and something that um, that I look forward to sort of figuring out um, how to how to. Uh, where are the points to have those conversations? Like to create some actual notes where we can check in about that and 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 really talk about it very consciously. Um, I just want to say we're in the last few minutes, and so maybe I should offer that as like my last thought, and then open <laughs> the the floor for sort of final thoughts from both of you, um, uh, so we can, um, you know wrap the show for tonight, although I'm super excited about the conversation we started. <laughs> I just want to thank you for having me. It's, uh, you know, I believe 100% in teachers connecting with each other and supporting one another, and it's great to be part of this work. So thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for being here, Hadley. I really appreciate it. And I want to also say thank you so much, Christina, to you for helping to organize this series. It's been really great to kind of talk out, you know, talk out with so many, many people who are involved in, in the creation of this book, um, the, many of the ideas and, and, and see how they're kind of living in real life, in real spaces and, and have those great conversations. And, um, and you know, it, I, right now I'm kind of what I, on my, what I call my learning tour. I'm really listening to how, what, what, what people are kind of drawing from, from the text and, and how it's speaking to them and, and how they take from it. So um, I'm doing that at the book group. I'm doing that with this. Um, you know, tr tr you know it's, and it's just been the most wonderful experience being on the, the listening tour um, and, and hearing how, this, how, how people connect with the stories and what their own stories are. Mm, well, thank you, Kira. I really appreciate you working to put this book together, to being available for this webinar series, and then also for being on that listening tour. And I just want to say um, that at the conclusion of the book group, if you all would like to do another follow-up discussion here, we'd love to have you at Educator Innovator, because I do think that this is, you know, it's these are nodes in conversations. And if we keep that going, then we can, um, the, that collective strength really becomes becomes visible. That's a fabulous idea. I'll, I okay. will talk with the group and see what they say. But thank you for the offer. <laughs> yeah, sure. Thank okay, you. so um, thank you all for, I'm looking for my notes of what I'm supposed to say at the end of the webinar, but <laughs> thank you all who have um, uh, 
you know, dialed in or downloaded this uh, webinar, the CLTV today to listen and to um, take part uh, with us. The co conversation continues at uh, the hashtag connected learning as well as the hashtag teachers transform. And we look forward to connecting with you online and in our um, extended networks. Um, if you'd like to keep up to date on future opportunities here at Educator Innovator, um, visit educatorinnovator.org um, to sign up for our monthly newsletter. And you can also follow us at innovates underscore ed on Twitter. Okay, so thank you everyone. And thank you so much for being here and making and taking the time and have a nice evening. Thank you.